You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. January is over as we are moving into the month of February. I have a few things I'm going to share with you, and then we are going to get to our guest and program. First of all, we are going to be changing our P.O. box, okay? My wife and I are moving next week, not very far from where we are, but about 20 minutes down the highway. And so uh, we are going to be getting a new P.O. box. You'll be seeing that new P.O. box changing across all of our platform and we are going to set up a redirect with our old P.O. box. But I'm hoping that many of you that were thinking, if you were thinking, of sending us a letter, hear this and double check our P.O. box on our website and other places and look for that new P.O. box number uh, if you're going to send us something. And that will ensure the highest likelihood that we will get what you sent. <laughs> now, I have a conference that I have been invited to in Adelaide, Australia. You can sign up if you happen to live in Australia and you're not too far from Adelaide by just going to our front page, bridemovement.com, in the top banner. There's a, a, a revolving banner up there and, and one of them says, you know, Manifest Breakthrough Conference. You click that button, it'll take you where you need to go if you wanted to sign up for that. I am very excited to be hanging out in Adelaide with my friends and with those of you that I'm going to get the opportunity to meet. And you all have a very special treat coming because you're going to meet my incredible, lovely, beautiful wife, Christian, as she will be joining me. Now, we sent off all of our donor statements and that was a relief on our end. You should have your email, and possibly letter in the mail by now. If we only had an email from you, because maybe you only give online or whatever, th that's all you get. You get an email statement. But if we have your physical address, you will get a physical statement. If we have both, then you're getting two. And I want to remind you guys that because some of you give multiple ways and those different ways register as different accounts in our system, some of you will get multiple statements from us. If you sent us a check, but another day you gave through PayPal and another day you created a different account through Stripe with a different email address or it was your husband or whatever, all of those generate different accounts in our system and they generate different receipts. So, so be on a lookout if you are one of those people, you may get more than one. But we did try on our end to combine some of these that we could catch in order to simplify uh, your tax preparation. So make sure if anything seems even the slightest bit off with your statement to get a hold of us at info at bridemovement.com because we are committed to you, our donors, to making you feel uh, as, as loved and honored, as cherished as you are. Now, with that said... Uh, we have nine courses at the Bride Ministries Institute, and some people have written us in asking, how do I know which courses to take first? Answer, we have a button in the top left corner of our Bride Ministries Institute called Categories. And if you click that Categories button, you will see that there are three categories of courses associated with our school. And we, we called them Level 1, Level 2, and Level 3. So if you believe that you are a Level 2 person coming in, <laughs> then you know, consider taking some level two classes, but 
you know, if you are brand new to this ministry, start at level one, please. Don't jump to level three and then get confused and say, I, I don't understand it. It's over my head. I need a refund. I, I'm, I'm too deep, right? So, so we want to help you start at the right place for you. So check the categories when you get to our school. I, I, um, because I want you to get the most out of it. And, and, and we know that those that are really tracking with our school are, are just experiencing incredible leaps forward and progress in their walks with Jesus. And so with that said, uh, I'm done. Thank you, donors. Please continue supporting us at bridemovement.com. And uh, other than that, I will see you on the other side. Don't go anywhere. Folks, you're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall, and we are going to be having a conversation with someone that has not graced this podcast before. We have a new voice. And this week, you will be hearing from Jessica, who has become a client of mine and who I've been doing some work with for a number of months throughout the year 2018. Before that, she had been working with some others and and uh, she has an incredible story. Not only that, as we will learn and get into later, she has been uh, implanted with various kinds of devices, uh, implants from the astral realm without a better language to put on it that, that have physically come out of her body. I I'm telling you, she has an incredible developing testimony, and she's here to begin telling her story. Some of you may have seen a post I made on my Facebook wall, I don't know how many months ago, maybe like four or five at this point, talking about walk-ins and that we had developed a new walk-in prayer. And many people came back and they were just like, I want it. And then other people were like, I don't even know what that means. Well, <laughs> We're going to be talking about it, if not in this podcast and others in the future. But Jessica, welcome to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Hi, Dan. Good to have you, Jessica. I just want to commend you for your bravery, uh, for having the boldness to come on this podcast and share some things. It's never easy for anyone to do this. But we'll just start here. We met a few years ago in Tennessee. Well, I was invited to be part of a conference over there, and you drove all the way from Dallas. And I was like floored when I met you because I was thinking, you live three hours away from me. At the time, I was living in Texarkana, yet you drove all the way to Tennessee to be part of this conference. And I just want to let you open up by introducing us to you to a little bit of your past and tell us some of the things that happened that led up to you making that journey. Okay. So, um, I found out about you through, um, somebody that has a pretty popular podcast and, um, I had been searching for deliverance, um, for a while and for years, for several years. And I was realizing that my deliverance was, 
a lot more serious than just casting out basic devils and demons. And um, I didn't really have anybody to talk to or kind of I was trying to figure out who it was or who I could talk to to, to help me out. And um, and basically the Lord led me to your name. And this particular podcast guy I had reached out to said that you were really too hard to get in touch with because you were so busy and um, very well sought after. So I, um, I asked the Lord to just, you know, get me to a place where I could meet with you because I was desperate. So I drove nine hours and I didn't have any money. So I was sleeping in my car to get there. And, um, and then, yeah, I kind of got there and, uh, I'll lead up to what, what led me there, but basically, um, I'll start with my testimony and I guess that'll help figure out how I got there. But, um, I was, um, I was brought up in a church setting, very, very religious setting and eight and I, uh, assembly of God church. And my parents were, um, always, taking us every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we went to church. And it was, so we didn't know anything pretty much but Jesus, but it was very religious. It was very programmed religion and you don't sin or you go to hell kind of thing. So we were always like kind of in fear, but we did know love. So, um, so cause they did, they did teach us about Jesus. So I always knew that Jesus was real, but as time went on, um, you know, my parents uh, had a church that when we were at, uh, the pastor was um, a homosexual and he ended up hitting on my dad. And my dad decided to leave the church because of that and was very, very angry at God. And, um, and so we moved from the Midwest to Texas. So that's a long story short of why we left the church. And um, even though we didn't have alcohol or drugs around us growing up, my dad uh, because he left the church, started partaking in that. And so we're a family that was supposed to be like, you know, followers of Jesus and, and you know, super like, you know, don't sin and do what's right. We ended up falling all apart. And my parents um, ended up divorcing. And, and at that time, I started uh, seeking what stability was. And um, I started using drugs at about 15 or 16. I realized that um, this, this was a comfortable space for me because I never fit in anywhere. I was pretty much um, kind of an outcast. Um, look back and now the devil um, and the dark forces were at me from a very early age, um, you know, which will come out later, I'm sure, but um, uh, in detail. But um, from a very early age, they were uh, stealing things from me. And uh, so I didn't feel right anywhere I went. My sisters were all you know, going to school, making good grades. And a lot of them were uh, excelling in college. And I just was like lost, you know, so I got into drugs and alcohol, ended up marrying the wrong guy, um, which I found out now is, was, is my hand, was my handler. Um, and basically um, had kids, I had a kid out of wedlock. And when I got married to him, I realized I did not want to be married to him at all, because I knew he was not the right one for me. It was very abusive. And so what ended up happening is I, uh, I got, after five years of marriage, I uh, got kicked out because I started rebelling against his ways and his rules. And I found myself strung out on drugs and homeless. And um, that's when the enemy started to really attack me uh, big time. So basically what happened was I had, um, forces coming at me that were um, that were shooting at me like in Psalms 91 when the arrows come at you mm -hmm. um, the um, uh, is exactly what was I was feeling and um, I was pretty much estranged from my entire family at that point 
um, because of my drug use. Um, but um, the, the reason why I had um, gotten so bad was because my children were taken from me. And so because of that, because of the history of what was going on, um, my family had, had pretty much turned their back on me. And um, they had gotten back into my life at that point to try and help me, like my mother and my sister. And I was in and out of hospitals and and they were basically um, telling me that there was no hope for me because I had done so many drugs. I had drug-induced schizophrenia. So nobody would believe me that um, nobody would believe me that I was uh, basically telling them that these, these things were coming at me. But I could see them. I could see the demons. I could see the devils around me. I saw them put stuff in my face. Uh, I'd pull it out, and they'd put it right back in. So, so I'm uh, going to pause you right there. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So for everyone that's listening and following what what she's saying, essentially, here's what she's told us. She grew up in a religious home until the pastor, who was a homosexual, hit on her dad. That created church hurt. And her dad began to go down a dark path. In her teenage years, Jessica began to go down a dark path, drugs and alcohol, and that exacerbated over time. Part of the reason was a abusive marriage that she found herself in for a number of years. And after that began to dissolve, the drug and alcohol use only got worse, at which point she began to be viewed as an uh, just out of her mind, nominalized. And that's when the attacks began to get even worse from the spirit realm, uh, largely because, as we know, uh, drugs are pharmacia, according to the Bible, which is witchcraft. And so here you were, and you know all of these doors are being opened by the use, and there's a lot of pain and abandonment and everything else that's going on, Jessica. But but you you began to describe that you would see the entities around you and they'd be putting stuff inside of you and you'd try to take it out and then they'd put it back in. Can you just slow down a little bit and explain what you mean when you say that? Yeah, exactly. I um, I look at it now and like you said, I'd open a lot of doors and, um, and so what I realized was I was a, a really big target. I had pretty much given up and um, I had a lot of hate in my heart because my ex-husband was very cruel to me and he had taken my children, which is the two things I thought I had was put on this planet for. Like I said, I was always searching for why I was here when I had my kids, which I loved my kids, love them. And I was a very good mom. But when my marriage fell apart, I, um, he pretty much just kind of, he came from my, a lot of money. So he pretty much... Um, put me out and did not let me see them. And I wasn't unfit. And then I became unfit. And then I just became mad. And the more I got away from them, and the more my dad died of bone marrow cancer at the same time. So I was just a level of grief that I can't even describe mm. that ended up causing them to really seriously say, um, that's the one I'm, you know, I'm going to definitely target this one. And so they did. And basically, um, I was just an open door because I believe now, um, for everybody listening, this has probably been the biggest, um, biggest revelation was the one, the moment I decided to forgive my ex-husband was the moment that I started going into a healing process because it was due to all the hate I had in my heart, all the hate I had towards him 
because she was never really around to help me. Um, just very controlling, very narcissistic. And then here he is um, taking over my children who I loved. And now I, I would sit in bathrooms and just, uh, you know, basically just draw pictures of how much I hated him and just write notes and journals of how much I hated him and think plots and plans of how I wanted to hurt him. And, you know, I knew I was never going to go to that, that depth, but I, but I was, he was just like, to me, like, you know, the, the reason why I had lost everything I loved. And so, you know, like God says, you can't, you can't have that hate and unforgiveness in your heart, or you will let the tormentors come get you. And that's exactly what happened. Um, so there was a lot of different aspects that got me into the situation I was in, but I, I do believe since I was a little girl, um, I did accept Jesus in my heart at like five years old. And, um, you know, and, and I do, I did have a walk before I walked into the, into the drug world. I did have a walk with Jesus where we, I worked at church camps and I had a relationship with him. And I remember thinking I never knew love and peace. Like I knew when I was walking with him. So I knew that like the Holy spirit and Jesus was, was with me. I knew that, but I didn't, um, and I had journals and journals and journals of, of asking him to like, you know, to deliver me for, from these drugs and alcohol. So I guess partly I was upset with him too, for not, you know, getting me out of it earlier and letting me choose this path that got me to this situation. But, you know, we all have free will. So all of that together, um, I got to a point where, you know, I basically was watching all this go down where I'm literally I don't know, almost like I was in a movie in the inside, like the Holy Spirit was keeping me sane in the inside, but my outside was was going insane from the drug use. And um, they had said that there was no return. I had fried my brain. They told my mom and my sisters I had fried my brain to the point where uh, the nerve endings were shot. And I was literally in a drug-induced schizophrenia where um, uh, schizophrenia is where you line up colors and you have to count numbers. And um, I was thinking people were, you know, uh, talking to me through the walls and, and under the staircases. Well, and, you know, partially that was the demonic underworld talking to me, um, which I look back now and realize. But at that time I was thinking, well, is this real or is this not real? But uh, through the process of healing, I now look back and realize the Holy Spirit was keeping me sane during this. So I could understand that it really was the spirit world um, coming in through the veil and attacking me. Okay. So, so um, yeah. So, so now come back. And tell us a little bit more about them putting things in your face. And then I want right. you to talk about talk, hearing communication through the walls and the floors. I'm actually interested in that. But start with them putting things, just, just step by step. I mean, how, how did this happen? How did you experience this? Well, I would be, um, I was an intravenous user um, and I would start, you know, it was methamphetamines and I would start trying to like use intravenously and I would feel arrows flying at me and I would try to dodge them. And I was like, what is that? You know, and I had time I had a, a live-in boyfriend that actually was just supporting my habit, but I would tell him and he was just thinking, you know, you're out of your mind, but I would feel these arrows. And I had just gotten in contact with my mom again because, um, she was the only one that would talk to me and I would tell her and all these sores would show up on my body. And basically what would happen was people would say, you're a meth addict. That's what happens. And I'd be like, I've done a lot of drugs in my life and I never would pick at myself. I was just not that person um, that did that. And, um, and I said, no, like these things are showing up because something's hitting me. But in, you know, in reality was, there was no way of seeing it, but I knew something was hitting me. So I would try and hide. I would hide in the shower curtains. I would, 
Uh, I would hide under laundry baskets. I would hide in boxes. I was, I was behind doors. I would do anything to try and get away from this. And it just, that wouldn't stop. And so basically that happened. And then I would leave home. I would just run from home. And so I became like a gathering vagabond, just running the streets for miles, like 14 miles at a time um, with them chasing me. And I would just feel it all the time. And the only relief I would get is to get far away from my house. But then as I would be walking the streets, I could hear them from underneath the ground. I could hear them talking to me. I could hear them. And so part of the schizophrenia is what I thought, you know, but they were coming at me at all levels and um, coming out of different dimensions and just coming at me. And I would see that. I wouldn't see that when they were attacking me, but I would see them hiding in my house. Like I would see this like demons and stuff all over my house. But then um, one day I was looking in the mirror and I saw them put an implant in my face. And it was just like, almost like what I think now might be an RFD chip is what I've come to the conclusion of. I'm not quite sure. But after research, I'm trying to figure out what it was. Um, that's the only thing I could think that it looked like because I pulled it back out and I looked at it. And when I pulled it back out, they grabbed it and put it back in and sewed my cheek back up really fast. And um, I, another thing that was um, a reason why I kept pulling my hair out was because they kept coming at me and like almost like surgically sewing things into my head. And so I would be like trying to hide from them to keep them. And to this day, I still have you can feel almost like, um, like a, a braid, like incision, a stitch, um, in certain parts of all the way around my head where they were putting things into my head. And, um, I would be pulling my hair out and my boyfriend would be like, why do you keep pulling your hair out? And I'm like, they're attacking me. And then, you know, of course, you know, that kind of response you get from that. So I was constantly being attacked. This happened for months and months where I was just, uh, one day I was, passed out after taking some pills I passed out in the bathtub and I woke up and I had this huge big knot on the side of my face and I have this um this big round kind of circle scar on my face where they had implanted something in my cheek and I was so um kind of out on drugs that I was just like whatever you know like I just brushed it off and, and took some Vicodin for the pain and realized not till later on that I was like oh well they managed to put something on my face so yeah so they've pretty much uh, because the amount of um of times I was hit and now as you can attest to the the weapons are coming out the things they hit me with are coming out in this in this present day um yeah I have a quite a few that are probably going to keep continuing coming out because they they got like you know every day for months they were hitting me with this stuff so now yeah when you use the word they for mm -hmm. our sake you mm -hmm. mean spirits yes and yeah so for sure for instance when you were sharing the story about what you now believe was an rfid chip you were mm -hmm. standing in front of a mirror in your bathroom where mm -hmm. you realize that a spirit has just inserted something in your face that is physical Right. But it didn't come from the physical realm to your knowledge. You pulled it physically out of your face and they right. took it physically from your hand in the spirit realm and inserted it back and stitched your face up while you were watching. While I was watching. Yeah. And my I, and at that time I was on drugs. So at that time I thought I am losing my mind. Like what is going on? You know, I mean, and yeah. And this went on for a while. Yeah. Or I would, yeah, they, and they were doing things when I was in my bed, 
they were attacking me in the sleep when I, you know, they were, uh, they were uh, showing up and doing things on my phone. Like I told you the other day, they were uh, taking pictures on my cell phone and, um, and, you know, they would be taunting me in the other rooms. Like they would uh, uh, make me believe that there was people in another room. They were taunting me constantly in closets and they were just, yeah, they were harassing me for months. Now, I will tell you that you are certainly not the first person uh, to report to me that that specific activity of photos being taken with the phone, that Mm -hmm. the spirits actually do that. And uh, that is a manifestation that a lot of people have actually experienced. Finding pictures on their phone that they didn't take. And, And for some people that have, say, DID, you know, they black out and their parts take pictures. But in some cases, it's not anyone that's the humanity. It's the spirits. Yeah. And I don't know why they, they like to harass people this way, but they do. Well, they want to put the, they want to put fear in you. Um, you know, they definitely, um, they're out to get and destroy, kill, you know, kill and destroy you, uh, still kill and destroy. But they also, um, you know, they were, putting a level of fear of me, like, um, like when they put the RFD chip in my, my face, I thought that was the mark of the beast. <laughs> you know, I thought, well, now I've done it now, you know, um, you know, they, they're doing these things to harass you to a level to where you, you know, um, I do believe that's how people get to a place of the suicide spirit, you know, where they believe the suicide spirit enough to want to kill themselves because that's what they were trying to get me to do. Um, harassed me to the point where I was going so crazy that I would just want to go and take my life. Um, but the Lord wasn't having that. Um, I'll look back at now, you know, because of my upbringing, uh, you know, I was told, you know, you don't commit suicide or you go to hell. So I was too afraid of doing that. Although I was trying to do drugs until I, you know, just kind of axed myself anyway on, you know, accident because the grief I had was so bad. And you now I was in, you know, doing nothing but drugs every day. That's all I was doing for over a year, um, I completely lost contact to the outside world as far as any kind of, you know, real life. And so I was expecting to die, but I, I you know, but, um, but they were trying to drive me mad. They were really, literally trying to drive me crazy to the point where I, um, and I don't know what else they were up to, but um, it definitely was because uh, I would, I would leave, for, you know, um, they would uh, say they were going to cut my Achilles tendons. Um, so they would chase me down the road saying any minute your Achilles tendons are going to be cut. Um, they would um, tell me I was a pineapple and this goes into the gang stalking and stuff. I had a uh, target individual. I, I am too. So, but that goes into that because the pineapple is when they shoot you up with that, with the arrows. Um, and now um, the weapons are coming out. Um, basically what it is, it's, a, it's like an implodes weapon that implodes in your skin and makes you look like a pineapple, like the pineapple uh, bumps and the little shards that come out of the hair or whatever, the po- pokey things that come out of the pineapple um, they would repeatedly say that to me. And when people hear, you know, how would you hear them? Talk? I would hear them talking. They would talk to me. You know, they would talk to me under the ground. They would talk to me when I'm walking. They would say, hi, Jessica. I mean, even when I'd go to my drug dealer's house, like I would say, they'd be knocking on the door on the floor underneath me. And I'd be like, do you hear that? And everybody like, are like, you're crazy? You know, they always thought I was nuts, but I could hear them, you know? And um, now to this day, uh, you know, like I see the things that they were saying come to pass. Like, you know, those, all the, the weapons they shoot into people, they do end up making you look like pineapple because they have like, you know, they come out with that kind of, of uh, scarring and, um, and shards. And it's just, 
very odd that it's real. Folks, um, this may sound wild, but I, I, I can tell you, uh, I have seen enough, and even in working with Jessica, that she is not lying. And we have seen enough of the weapons, as she calls them, come out by this point that there is absolutely not a doubt in my mind as to the veracity of this stuff. And so as you continue with your story, Jessica, I mean, all of this activity is going on. They're harassing you. They're talking to you. They're actually taking their stuff out of the spirit realm and putting it, uh, injecting it in different ways into your physical body where on this plane, their implants become essentially physical, even though they are finding their origin point in the spirit realm. Um, you said you were in this place for like a year. You had a live-in boyfriend for a while. What happened next? Well, I got to the point where it was so like I was, I was actually, I, I believe the Lord was allowing it to help to a, a point where um, he was like, uh, this is what you're dealing with. You know, this is out of his love. He was showing me that I was dealing with by, by my choice of lifestyle and my choice of hate, my choice of all the things I had been partaking in that, um, that he was, he was basically showing me like, this is, you know, the veil had been lifted and, and I was seeing the other side. I was seeing what was going down, which I believe happens to people anyway, but I was actually getting to witness it. And, um, so I was, I became um, homeless, you know, I was out on the streets. I, my, I got estranged from the boyfriend. I couldn't stay in that house anyway. The attacks were too bad. So I was in the middle of winter and I was homeless sleeping under these bridges and um, vagabond basically um, walking the streets. And my schizophrenia had gotten so bad that I knew that I was borderline about to lose my mind. And this is my favorite part. Um, and I probably will cry. But um, so I called out to the Lord and I said, listen, if you're real, um, like you say you are, um, I'm about to lose my mind. And will you take me to heaven? And um, I don't know what it was. I've been prophesied over that, that it was the redeeming angel of the Lord that showed up. But something very divine showed up. And um, he was there. I cleared the dark out. And um, two weeks later, I was in rehab. And uh, basically, I went to a rehab that was um, for teenagers originally, but um, called Teen Challenge. And I went in and me and heroin addicts and prostitutes and gang members and you name it, we all went in there. Um, most of the time, I've been in secular rehab. Um, basically, what would happen would uh, we would do our classes and we'd all get out and start using it again because um, you had to have the God of your understanding. Well, this rehab was you don't get to sit around, you get to work. Heroin addicts were going straight from um, using to work. They weren't detoxing. They weren't um, basically, uh, we, none of us could be on any of our antidepressants or anything that we were using before. Um, the Lord took us all off and it was almost like the Lord said, okay, time's up. You guys are going to work for me now. You know, so he took us all off the streets and put us into the Bible and into working, um, basically raising money selling crosses that we made and jewelry and um, going around uh, the whole state of Arkansas, basically uh, telling what the Lord had done in our life. And uh, I instantaneously was delivered from uh, 
from drugs and alcohol and um, cigarettes of 20 years. And um, I, I missed out a very important part, important part though. Um, my um, oppression that I had for, and I like to talk and uh, you, you know that. So I like to talk and I, I, for three months going to this rehab, I could not talk because what the weapons they had put in my head and the weapons they had put in my body had me under so much distress, um, so much um, like the ring in the ear that you say, um, uh, so much of the uh, basically um, buzzing in my head that I uh, was so afraid. I actually thought that um, at the time when I got into rehab, I actually thought that I was still under God's breath because I thought all the things that were going down with God mad at me because I was so um, in belief that I was so awful, like I was just an awful person for what I had done. And so I believe that this was all God being mad at me when I realized that God was really saving me. But I was under such oppression from these weapons. Like when I would literally, before I got into rehab, I would walk through, um, uh, walk through metal detectors um, and I would set them off. I would have a magnet. I could stick magnets on my head and they would stick because these weapons they put in me. And so um, I was, I could turn in, you know, this happened even after I got a rehab, but for the longest time I could turn TVs off and um, mess with TVs and mess with computers and mess with electronics because of the weapons they had in my head. And when I would walk around certain places by electrical uh, units, um, there would be a ticking that would go off in my head. So it would start ticking like a bomb. So I couldn't, I didn't speak for three months. Um, I basically had every altar and I was just repenting and repenting and repenting of everything I did and just begging the Lord practically to get this torture off of me. And eventually after I repented, um, about three months into it is when I started, it started lifting. And I believe that um, some of these rights that they had as far as the, the level of oppression I was under was, were going away. And it was um, being easy. It was, it was becoming easier to just live a normal life. But for the longest time, it was really, 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 really bad. And to this day, I still obviously have them in me to a level, but, you know, we just keep getting delivered bit by bit from them. But um, I, for, for a while, thought I was going to blow up like a bomb. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, folks, and, and you, you may get this later. Jessica is actually very funny. Um, yeah. So you, have, so you have to understand, though, um, that my level of oppression that I'm still under does not want me to do this interview. <laughs> so I'm literally um, trying to get this information out without like um, <laughs> self-destructing because um, I, I feel like um, my normal self, the self that I, I run with every day, um, that because we will understand why the walk-ins, um, while the uh, things that I deal with, they're almost like having Siamese twins inside of me. Um, I'm fighting with that to be the real Jessica right now. Um, they don't want me doing this interview. So um, if I sound like a robot, it probably is because I'm partly robotic right now <laughs> because um, I've had a high anxiety about it. And I, But I'm doing it anyway because I want everybody to understand um, that God's a God of deliverance. And that there's nothing too big for him. And even as bad as it's gotten for me, it, ha it was for me, um, I have so much deliverance due to the awesome Lord Jesus Christ. So, yes, I am um, 
at a level of nervousness of fighting off, um, even trying to keep all this straight because, um, it's a lot. Well, Jessica, you are, you are moving along just fine. (laughs) Now, now folks, Jessica had to turn around. Jesus Christ met her at her lowest point, homeless, sleeping under bridges and like a knight in shining armor like the kinsman redeemer that he yeah. is he comes and he is the difference maker two weeks later she's in rehab and after a number of months she's able to speak again uh, praise god she didn't blow up <laughs> yeah now <laughs> where does this take you jessica well okay so we're getting to how i met you so basically what ended up happening was um i spent i was supposed to spend thir- 13 months in rehab I was there for nine months uh because I felt the Lord it was time for, the Lord was like go you know so I left and um but right before I left rehab um let me get to a little bit more description of what was going down I was um so tormented by spirits still in rehab that um I baptized my head in the toilet and I'll say that out loud because that's the level of of torment they had me in they told me to do that I thought it was the Lord telling me to do it Um, So I was in such a battle with trying to even deal with getting out of um, the oppression I was under that I was in front of the church that we had to go to. And um, we went to every Sunday. It was the rehab local church and they all treated us like a family. We all were very close. And um, I was standing at the front praying and I had so much oppression that I was just asking one of the elders. I said, listen, I don't understand why I'm, I've, I'm being tormented and tortured still by these things, blah, blah, blah. And she looked at me and she said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you get out of her. And my eyes were like not looking at her. And um, at this point, I didn't even know because I considered myself a Christian. I didn't really know that I, was, I had demons inside of me. Even though I felt I knew things, something weird had happened to me, I didn't know that Christians could have demons. So I was like, what is she doing? And the next thing I know, like, my stomach's growling and my eyes are going back and forth and I can't look at her. And then I start bumping and I'm like, what? So then I realized I'm going through deliverance. So that was the first time I was being delivered by the demon devil type thing. And so that took me back and I was like, Whoa, okay. And then, so after I got out of rehab, I was still being tormented. And the only one that was watching this was my mom. My mom and I became very close after rehab. Um, she was very proud of me for going through and, and I was just a, transformed person at this point the lord had just done numbers on me and um and so uh she was walking this journey and so we would see oh i can't even tell you how many deliverance ministers in the dfw area dallas fort Worth area and um and still i was just still being tormented and i mean so i mean i said every prayer i mean i you know and i saw people that were like this is it you're done this is you're delivered blah 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 and all of a sudden it's just like you know certain aspects of oppression, depression, torment in the middle of the night, all the things that were happening to me were still coming up. And so, um, and to the level where, you know, like I had this walk-in Siamese twin, I like to call from the inside talking to me. And I realized that I wasn't the only person inside like dealing with it. And I didn't really understand that I had parts. I didn't understand the DID level of it at this point. Um, all of it together, but I just was thinking, you know, I was so sick and tired of being the person in front of the church where everybody's yelling in the name of Jesus, come out of her and humiliating myself in front of church and 
not, and, and still not being delivered. So I, like I said, talked to this guy, um, and he said, well, you know, Dan Duvall is uh, SRA, DID, he's high level, and you don't need, um, uh, well, this guy, and then I saw, went and saw Russ Dizdar, too, and they said, you don't need deliverance, you need inner healing. So then I realized, okay, so I'm, this isn't the this isn't the route I need to go. So I found Dan online. I found you online, and then I saw that you were going to be at Global Fire. So I didn't know you lived in Texarkana. <laughs> I probably would have gone there, but I drove nine hours to um to to your conference, and Dan was doing um he he was doing a um a a, a basically a lawsuit against. Uh, the Lord had led him to a lawsuit against all the things that had happened to people in the conference. And he had this huge gavel um, that was coming down that the Lord had put, and it was coming down on the conference to like deliver a bunch of us from basically things that the enemy had been doing to us, um, like a corporate judgment. And, um, and I got freed from some stuff from that. But then all of a sudden I heard, well, that's okay. We'll just come back. We'll come back with more. And then I heard on the other side, I, well, I believe it was the Holy Spirit, the Lord saying, you need to go to Dan right now. And I said, I'm not going up to Dan. Like everybody here is here for Dan. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go up to him and bug him and da, da, da. So anyway, I met you because I ended up being so desperate because I didn't want to be attacked because I had gotten a little tiny hotel room, hotel room, this really nasty motel room right next to the church. And I knew if I went back to that hotel room, I was going to be tortured. So out of desperation, I went up to the front. And I said, hi, the Lord told me to come talk to you. And then Dan did some little bit of deliverance on me in front of the, in front of the church. And then, um, yeah. And then after that, uh, we now know each other. <laughs> well, that was so, certainly our connection. And, yeah. you know, folks, at, at that particular conference, it, it was interesting because I was talking about uh, you know, basic deliverance during this particular service. And all of a sudden, it's like I looked up in the spirit and I just saw this giant hammer sitting on top of the building. And when uh, I'm seeing in the spirit and I recognize something like that, whether it's an angel that has something specific that it's holding uh, or just an element like a giant hammer that's just sitting there. I know that it's not just there to collect dust, so to speak. It's there because it's supposed to be activated by faith. And so when I looked around and I see this giant hammer, I'm thinking, aha, so God wants to you know, use that, <laughs> or he wants me to use that by speaking and declaring certain things so that his will can be done for the people that are here. So I essentially with the prayer, activate the hammer and drop the hammer on some things and it worked. <laughs> it was actually really cool. But um, I meet Jessica afterwards and you know, she comes up to me and, and I'm, I'm like blown away. I'm like, you drove all the way here from Texas. Oh my gosh. <laughs> One of the first things I recognized about Jessica was that she had a lot going on and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and whenever you're at the front, like, you know, in, in my case, it's, it's me, right. And there's all these people gathered around and then suddenly you have a, 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 a heavy case. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's this dance of how much do I actually engage versus like, 
understand that there's other people here and we don't want to necessarily be here for the next four hours. So I also learned during that time that Jessica, she's not really a seer, but she is a feeler on 10. I have never uh, seen someone so physically reactive to deliverance on such a consistent basis as Jessica. And so, you know, I use things and I did two podcasts on the weapons of our warfare. You can go back and listen to those. You know, you use the, the, the arrows and the sword of the Lord and the broom of destruction and all these. And it's like, you know, I use them by faith when I'm praying for people. And most people just sit there and nod their head. And I say, well, are you free? And they're like, wow, I can't believe how much clear with Jessica, everything manifested in her physical body. I mean, it's like the arrows in her chest goes, and it's like sword, and it's like this, the entities are like, oh, no, you're cutting my leg off, and stuff like that. It was, it was quite demonstrative. Well, and now you'll start, um, now we start figuring out why I'm that way, because yes. a lot of these things that I have in me have their... Um, some kind of legal right due to my parts or covenants or whatever to um, have um, taken over a lot of my DNA, whether it's synthetic, whether it's off in some other galaxy. And basically um, through some of these deliverances that we've had to try and get through, they're like, we don't have to go anywhere because we don't have her. So, um, so actually when a lot of this is happening to these entities or, um, and I have been, gone uh, through a lot of deliverances through a lot of entities i literally feel them like as if i am that person or that that entity itself and um uh but without the pain which is very weird so i know they're going through a lot of pain and i don't have that but i i feel like like when dan hits him with bombs or whatever i feel i actually feel like i'm being hit with bombs so it's now very weird to kind of illustrate the um, level of intensity involved in w- what you're walking out, Jessica, tell the story of the pastor that was prophesying hope and uh, <laughs> other good things over you, that's trying to tell you it's going to be okay, and, and, and what happened. Well, like, um, um, I'll back it up just for maybe to help the story out. like. When I was going that same conference, whenever you and I and um, some of our mutual friends now that were at that conference, um, there was a prayer tunnel, basically a prayer tunnel where we were going to all walk through the tunnel and Dan and Jeff Jansen and everybody were going to touch and we were all going to get the fire God on us. But one of our seer friends saw me go through the tunnel and I started to shapeshift into a reptilian. So she pulled me out of the tunnel and basically was they I went and they helped me her and a couple other ministers um, helped me with my beginning of like severe like getting some of the real big stuff off me like at the get-go like two hours after that so I have um, some abilities to um, to basically transform I guess from due to the the weapons or the the rights or whatever the lingo is for what is going on inside of me so I was at this church and um, he was talking to me and he was praying over me and um, he basically saw my face shapeshift. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And it freaked him out <laughs> because um, I, um, yeah, I started turning from, um, I don't know, a human into a, one of those things. So uh, that's what you're talking about, right? Yes. <laughs> and he um, basically was like, oh, my gosh, your face has changed. <laughs> oh, my gosh, your face has turned. And, uh, you know, because I was trying to explain to the typical church, which this was a conference with the, you know, I hate to say average Christian, but the Christian that's not aware of what we're going through at this level. And, um, yeah, I about scared him out like a Halloween movie. <laughs> 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 so, yes, the level of intensity of what's going on inside my, uh, my system um, does let me change sometimes, um, even into a werewolf. <laughs> so so um jessica is not lying I, as a matter of fact mm -hmm. i was there at the the fire tunnel and i was watching it happen as she was pulled out of the fire tunnel it was not the best place or way for jessica to receive ministry that night for sure and uh, she was beginning to manifest and 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 her body was contorting and as a matter of fact, many of our sessions that we've done, and, and, and for many of our sessions, Jessica will actually come to our home, and my wife and I will sit down with her, and we will do work. And uh, during those times, we have watched Jessica's body shift and move. And so, I, I mean, I'm just adding credibility to the things that she's saying here. Uh, we've heard her bones even down, down to her bones actually cracking and moving around and uh, different things in, in response to the deliverance that Jesus is executing on her. And so, uh, yes, it, it, and, 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 and I'm glad that you're saying this, Jessica, because this gives me another opportunity to step on some toes. I can't stand when religious leaders think they're doing the body of Christ a service by nominalizing people that have issues that they don't understand. Furthermore, I find it even more irritating when religious leaders place judgment and accusation and even dishonor on the ministers of God that will step up to the plate and say, yes, I will go with Jesus to those that need his help on this level. Because when confronted with an actual need like you had, the only thing they can do is run away from it, which is highly discouraging. I mean, well, and like with you, you was like, or with you, it was like, um, that's why I appreciate you so much, Dan and, and Christian, because um, I can't even tell you when you're in the level of, of oppression that I was in and the level of attack that I, I was under, where they literally, I was just their guinea pig for whatever they wanted to do for months and months and months. And I would head to churches and I would go to those doors and I was seeking so hard for someone who would try to help me. And people were looking at me like I had four heads and turning and shutting their doors on me. And like, I, I literally felt like I, the Lord had given me over to a reprobate mind. I, I read the Bible. The Bible was 
turn on me and all the negative, all the things that the Lord's wrath was, you know, you could see no love, not the Lord's love. All you could see was the wrath that the Bible just turns on you. And it's like, oh, the God, God hates you. And you, you. You've done so much. You've been such a horrible sinner that you have a reprobate nine now. Now you got the, the mark of the beast in your cheek. And, you know, and, and I mean, I just believed everything of like that. I was the no good, not coming back from this head straight to hell. Um, and then the people I thought were supposed to be the ones that were going to be opening their doors and loving on me and helping me get through this were the ones that were way worse than even people who were meeting on the streets that I was asking for help from. And so, um, yes, I really appreciate you and people that are like you who are realizing that this is much deeper than are you doing what the Lord says as far as going to church for two hours and, you know, not cussing and swearing and, you know, drinking and drugging and things like that. You know, it's so much deeper than that. And then, you know, it's just not out there. The help is just, it's just so hard to find. And it makes you feel like you are just no good and that, that the Lord doesn't love you. And it's so opposite, it's so opposite of what really is true. And see, God does love us. Jesus is the reason why I'm at this point now. If it wasn't for Jesus, and he, he gave me Isaiah 35, 10 today, and, and basically was saying, you know, he, he saved me out of my distress, put me into Zion, and I will have joy and happiness, and I'm inside my my sorrow and, and um, anguish is going to go away is basically what the verse says. Um, and, and it was like, I'm the one that pulled you out of that, you know? And so it just showed me that like a lot of the churches are, are they just don't have it right. Um, and that people like us, cause I will be delivered from this. I will be on the other side and made whole and health and completely because I know the Lord didn't pull me out of this for, for no reason. Um, and that people that have been into this level of warfare can go out and be that love that she's asking us to be because, you know, so many people that probably listening to this podcast right now, they're like, oh my gosh, I've, I've crossed I've to know the path of no return. And that's not true. You know, Jesus is love. Jesus is the reason why that I'm at where I'm right now. And even though I'm in layers and layers and layers of, they've got me wrapped into layers of, of, you know, parts and agreements and quantum and AI and all this other stuff. I know that you know, he's already won this battle. And I know that love is what's pulling me out of this. And so that's where my faith lies, um, as far as like, you know, being able to keep going every day and get out of bed and doing this is because I know that he is the reason why we're, we're doing this and that we're pulling all these other people out of it soon. I mean, we're just going to be the church on the street, but the church isn't being, um, because I felt awful going in church. I mean, mm. I didn't feel any love. <laughs> mm. Mm, mm, mm. So uh, now, Jessica, tell, tell us a little bit about because you mentioned that they would attack you at night and they harass you at night and you still deal with a degree of this, even as we're walking through the deliverance inner healing mm -hmm. process. Describes the nature of the night attacks. What does that mean? Well, it's like what I've been going through at the first of this podcast that I'm trying to fight off. Um, they like to put a lot of oppression and anguish, anxiety, fear levels of fear. Um, I do to the fact that I have um, programs like through computer programs and things like that. It's not just a, it's just not a feeling as far as coming from a, a source of, it's coming also from programs that like I can tell are like interloping where they basically set a, a series of fear, you know, or a series of anxiety or, um, Basically, um, I have attacks of those, those natures. I have attacks from 
Um, not as bad as I used to, but satellite, more things like where I know that I'm, I'm uh, being under attack of TI, more things where um, in my head, um, headaches and, and um, just, you know, like where you can feel the, ray, the laser, the rays, um, uh, weird things like that. Um, you know, they'll cramp my leg up so bad um, where you feel like um, basically there's, you know, huge amounts of like um, power sources going all the way through my leg, all the way up through my hip. You know, they, um, when I was attacked under there um, or at my house with when I lived with my boyfriend, uh, they did a incision in my armpit. Um, I actually watched them do that too, where they put something, they, and I have the incision to this day where they opened up my armpit, something in it. So they connected it through my, uh, armpit into my heart and in, up into my neck and into my ears where I felt them, um, put to, which are coming out right now. Um, but to like, uh, what do you call it? Ear pieces in my ears. And I believe that was from the super soldier part that they were trying to do. I'm not sure. I'm just guessing, but, um, so that gets triggered a lot where I'll feel them just all of a sudden, you know, send like pulses, real bad pulses up and down my body. Um, what else? There's all kinds of stuff, but that's basically it. Like I have um, weapons in the back of my head that um, they'll start pounding, like they'll start um, just making movements, basically like somebody's on the back of my back, like I almost like a, um, like I was telling you the other day, almost like a, a console or a board of a computer. Like addicted to, you know, like, like they're like, I'm, you know, uh, I'm like a portal, a lot of portals were placed in me. So I'm like, um, an access point for a lot of different things. Um, a lot of the anxiety I have of coming on this, um, and on this podcast was because of the level of things that they do to me. Um, I'm not quite sure how to decipher a lot of it. Um, so I mean, as you can attest, we just go through layers of getting me free from stuff, but um but yeah so um they just it's either it's either them working through some kind of weapon or sticking some kind of um something in me that makes me want to vomit or you know just whatever it's always something different but um oppression um to a level where there's so much hopelessness you can't even get out of bed um as i've been working with my last my last counselor and then you um that has lifted a lot but um points where you just like there's just no way i'm like there's no way i can get out of bed like um mm -hmm. the hopeless despair of like i can't move another moment um just grief to the level you just you you just can't even feel like you can get free from it um but uh and you know like i i have them talk to me a lot telling me how much they hate me <laughs> so they're constantly harassing me and when i say they I'm not sure if it's a part or if it's one of my walk-ins or if it's, you know, but they verbally come out and, you know, mess with me. So, well, you've used the term walk-ins several times mm -hmm. now. And so I'm going to open up this, this conversation on, on this aspect a little bit here uh, by, by, by talking about the first time that Jessica came to our home. Uh, where we uh, were ministering to her. And, and, and by the way, I, I very rarely uh, will actually minister to people in my home. Um, don't hear this and then send me an email and say, oh, you're doing home sessions now. No, <laughs> it just happens. <laughs> Jessica doesn't live too far from us and you know, we know her. But um, 
it, it, it was decided that I was going to begin doing some work with Jessica. It, it did, certainly did not commence immediately after I met her in Tennessee. She began to connect. It, it was because it was it was because of the Kabbalah tree, remember? <laughs> yes, which is something that we were talking about a little bit with my guest last week, Kay Tolman. And, um, you know, we, 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 I had you over with several people and... Every time you uh, talk about the Kabbalah tree, I would manifest. <laughs> every time we mentioned the Kabbalah tree, she manifested. And, and so I lined up, up, sat him on my couch, gave him buckets. And I said, I have a new prayer for you guys. And we're going to go through this and see... You know, if you guys get set free. So we went through one of the points on the Kabbalah tree, and uh, I knew that there was an entity that was manifesting but did not budge uh, with Jessica. And, and so we said, well, we're going to save this for later. So I said goodbye to everyone, and they left, and, and Jessica came back a little while later and said, okay, we're going to do some work. Because this is obviously some pretty tough stuff. If it was so this prayer, uh, we're going to need to bring in some, some heavier artillery. So you came back for the first session. We'll talk about it more in a little bit. But essentially, um, what happened was we went through two hours. Uh, and, and, and I'm typically pretty suavemente in my sessions. Very cool, calm, collected. Like I'm not going to make this look any harder than it really is approach to deliverance and also very uh, compassionate if at all possible. And, well, after two hours of everything in the kitchen sink, the uh, entity was still there and I was livid. So and said, I don't have I to leave. Said, <laughs> Goodbye, yeah, Jessica. I don't have to leave. <laughs> Goodbye, Jessica's walk-in. Because by that time, I had identified. I'm like, this is more than just a demon. This isn't even a fallen angel or fallen angel bloodline. This is, this is something that's even heavier that's stuck in this thing. And, and, and I literally had to, you know, say my goodbyes to her walk-in, who both walked into my house and walked out of my house. And... <laughs> I was so upset. I was so irritated. I was like, this is not going to happen again. <laughs> and so I pondered and meditated for two weeks on this thing. She was coming back in two weeks. And I'm like, this is not going to go down the same way. And I, I came up with, with the Holy Spirit's help, of course, a whole new subset of language and expanded upon the uh, Kabbalah tree prayer template um, with even more extensive language to address the problem from a walk-in perspective. Meaning, what does it mean if she is interfaced all over the entire cosmos, plus uploaded into computers, plus having physical technology in her body to anchor in the organism or the entity, plus an entity that considers her very arm, its arm, her very neck, its neck, her very leg, its leg, to the point that it's basically claiming an equal right over her body as she, Jessica, is. 
How would I articulate a prayer to acknowledge all of the vast number of legalities that would go along with this kind of a bondage? And so I worked on it for two weeks and then she came back. So anyway, I'm going to pause the story there, Jessica, and I'll I'll let you kind of share a few things from your perspective, from what you remember going through that, that initial set. Well, um, I guess the, the level when you, when you see Dan Ball and you're like, and he's even got to a point where it's like, okay, this thing is even deeper than I, I'm like, oh gosh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> but you know, the Lord is so, is so, is so gracious. And he um, gave you answers um, to a level where you got a prayer now. Um, but uh, basically what is, um, what is kind of the the frustrating part about this is um, these walk-ins, I don't know how they do it um, or how the dark forces at all do this in any of these ways they come at you, but they, they had um, either have enough parts in agreement um, or your DNA with the synthetic uh, use of the DNA where they synthetically hook you up to agree with have your DNA agree with their rights to stay um, or whatever level it is. I don't know, but they basically looked at you and was like, I don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to live with this now. Like, and this is like having uh, to describe what it's like. It's like having, like I can sit still and shut Jessica off and say, okay, go. And my arms and my legs will move. Um, and do whatever that particular walk-in wants to do. Um, I have control because the Lord is the owner of this vessel. So um, that's why they don't, I'm not out doing evil things anymore because I gave my life to the Lord and the Lord has um, intervened into the process of teaching me what I'm getting delivered from. But definitely this is the Lord's house. So they can't do anything more than that. They can harass me. Um, They don't have to necessarily be, have to leave for whatever reason um until you get the right verbiage going but um but it's like having an inside Siamese twin um and then also uh, we do I have had a couple of twins but also the level of understanding that I have um is when you're trying to get delivered from some of this stuff um I have had a lot of uh, trauma in my life that I didn't go into detail about um so I have also had a uh, extreme amount of parts that um that have been um, taken over from by the dark side. So my level of deliverance has been hard because of that too. So I'm not quite sure um, of how it happens or how that, um, because we get involved into the quantum entanglements and formulas that we've had to deal with now, um, how they interlude me into different galaxies, different formulas. I, I just had, Dan just delivered me from Ra, who had a part that had me from when I was, before I was even born, who was very loyal to Ra. And when the Lord Jesus, well, actually, uh, Dan found her with his finder and wormholed her back to me. And it literally felt like um, a huge person just got basically um, shoved back in me. Like it was the weirdest thing. This girl, part of me, had never known me. I had never known her. And it was like, well, like 80% of me had been over hanging out with Raw as part of the reason why I've never felt like a complete person 
was because this has been going on my whole life. So that's why this story is very complicated to talk about because there's so many different aspects about it. But um, through the level of agreement, um, bloodline agreement, I believe, um, and then just now that the, the, the level of the AI and the computers and the, um, the stealing of your DNA and all the things they do, um, it just gets so complicated. So these walk-ins, because what ended up happening was Dan crushed the walk-in like a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> That's what we called because we had a seer friend who saw it in the spirit and it was crushed like a grilled cheese sandwich. But another that one was just a, that was round two. <laughs> that was that round was, two. That was round two. That was after the new prayer. Yeah, because yeah. they kept kept coming back. Because they were, I was interloped for when they had a basically, you kill a walk in, a walk in gets to come. So, Dan, I think you are more uh, qualified to talk about this than me. I don't even have any idea what's going on. Well, um, I'll tell you what, folks, if you are thoroughly uh, discouraged and confused by this point, uh, just imagine it's like to be on the front lines uh, actually dealing with the entity and not knowing what to do about it because nobody has an instruction manual on this. We're trying to be the middleman on that. That's why we have prayers that shake heaven and earth. There will be a prayers that shake heaven and earth round two at some point, which will have prayers like the earth systems prayer, Kabbalah tree prayer, freedom from walk-ins prayer that we're talking about right now and a whole bunch of other resources. You know, I don't want you guys to have to go through what I've had to go through, believe me. But, you know, it, 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 it was so stubborn, this spirit or whatever this entity was, or group of entities, that it actually required that I, we, went, we went through all of the legalities and then uh, destroyed them in their post and then swept away the, the, the dust. It never actually left. It was destroyed in its post. And uh, that, that's basically how we've been taking out these layers after layers after layers. Now we have gotten fancy with some of the stuff and I'll probably uh, interject a few of the really cool things we discovered along the way dealing with different layers of, of what um, we've dealt with, with with Jessica. But I want to come back to the release of the constellation prayer because when we put that prayer out, Jessica, I think you probably said it at least twice yep. for every constellation on there, which means you probably said it over 160 times. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But that was also when the implants and the weapons started coming out, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So um, uh, the retreat, um, Dan's had a couple of retreats, which are awesome. Y'all should go to them. They're the nice ones in advance. But um, uh, it's real powerful stuff we do there. But we, um, in this, in, in, uh, the crew that we in his church and, and just the uh, congregation that has come together through our afflictions and our oppression and our trying to figure all this stuff out through the power of the Holy Spirit um, and the knowledge of the Lord. Uh, basically, um, Dan came out with this consolation prayer and there was a few of us that are some other people that are on a high level um, um, oppression and, you know, a bondage that I'm in, um, we were doing this prayer and we were seeing like crazy amounts of, that's one that was like activating, like some of the stuff coming out of me. Like, um, I'd say the prayer and I could, you know, when you say these prayers and you get triggered, that's how you kind of know what you're messed up with. So, um, I would just, you know, hit these with these prayers and hit these things at different angles and, and do it with the group. So I'd have some power of agreement with me. And, um, we came to the retreat and I came to the retreat and I was like, look, everybody, 
I was like, things are coming out because, and I look back at when I was at my house on drugs, there was um, constellation, like almost like these spirits were putting like this constellation diagram up all over the house. And I kept seeing it over and over and over and it would just scare me so bad because it was like, oh my gosh, there it is again. Oh my gosh, they put it on my mirror. They put it on a wall. They put it on the floor. They take things on my, on my belongings and they shape it into this thing. And it was like, Somehow, a really, you know, it, my spirit's telling me that it had something to do with that, where they have literally are looping people into the constellations. And so this prayer was really powerful and, of getting me set free from uh, getting some of this stuff to actually like start coming out. Um, and it's not fun letting it come out because it's, you know, coming out of your body, but it's coming out, which is good. <laughs> so um, that constellation prayer was the, what is what pretty much triggered it to, uh, to start releasing for sure. And it has continued to release and release and release. Uh, yeah. Talk about the release process for us, Jessica, what happens with your skin, the, the, the sensations uh, before and after stuff actually comes out of a different area of your body. Talk well, it like has, um, it has like a, a uh, sharp, like a shard type presence. Some of them, has have um like the morgellons type f the um the fibers that you see that everybody seems to think you know is morgellons and um it is quantumly entangled i believe like natalie talks about um and the thing about it is though is that um they'll it's almost like when you try to pull them out because they hurt they come out of your skin and they hurt but they're pointing like a like a prick they prick at you and so you go to pull them out and then they like implode your skin so they implode almost like a, um, like they blow, like, in, like implode, like almost like a crater hitting, like an asteroid would hit the ground, you know, it, it like, like almost like miniature implodes your skin. So it causes a really nasty um, sore that like, but you, but if it, there's nothing you can do about it, cause it's just sitting on your skin and just poking at you. So you have to get it out. Um and so, um, and the ones that I had, they had put in my ears, those are coming out now. Um, and you know, uh, it's not some level of embarrassing too, because, you know, look like I look almost like I have chicken pox, but I don't care because, um, you know, the testimony of what I'm going through and the fact that it is real. Um, and I know there are people out listening right now that have the same thing going on that, you know, the Lord is so good to deliver and he, he will deliver you. Just keep seeking him. Um, keep seeking him. Cause he's, he's got a plan for us to have been, I'm a class action lawsuit. Like Barbara says. <laughs> oh yes. You are, Jessica. We have done several yeah. uh, yep. campaigns based on your testimony. Um, yep. So folks, you know, every time my wife and I meet with Jessica, she is casually showing us, her new set of exit wounds, uh, back of her arm, her neck, her scalp, uh, you know, literally. My back, legs, holes. feet. <laughs> yeah. Holes in her body uh, that do look like chicken pox. And, and sometimes when they're in the process of coming out, so they even say, look, just, just feel here on my head or feel here on my neck. And it's like, all right. It was, and, and yeah, it's sharp that what she is describing is so real. And what, what really blew me away was the idea that 
these weapons, as she calls them, these implants, were being put in her in a waking state, in some cases, from the spirit realm, yet becoming physical in her body once implanted. And so it's like they're crossing dimensions in putting these implants in. Very, very bizarre. And, and the uh, second layer that, that I just find so fascinating is that they are coming out in conjunction with the dissolution of the spiritual bondage. In other words, this isn't because uh, Jessica is ne necessarily taking the right concoction of herbs <laughs> or sitting in a sauna sweating out implants. You know, I mean, that works for some people with nanotech stuff. With these shard things, I mean, this is a very, very much tied to the spiritual bondage. And uh, it, it just, it's just so important for us to understand that when we are getting into deliverance in the 21st century, deliverance is not limited to the spirit realm only. It's being interfaced with stuff that has a physical counterpart and is technological or synthetic in its existence. Oh, they've upped their game. <laughs> they've upped their game for sure. And we're running into all of this with you, Jessica. Mm-hmm. Yes. As a all matter of it. Fact, I mean, yep. nanotech too. Nanotech. Uh, I, I'll just name it. It's nanotech, uh, wires, uh, the electric kingdom, the the synthetic kingdom, the animal kingdom, the water kingdom, uh, you name computers, AIs, twins, walk-ins. I mean, I've just dealt with, you just name the list. It's just been over and over and over again. Like, it's just not a typical, let's just cast the demon out. And a lot of the reason why it's so hard to get it out is because they traumatize you. Um, I've been raped multiple times uh so they traumatize you uh they uh they split you they take your parts they get agreements with your parts they make jesus look like he's bad um they sit steal your dna and they stick it into computers and 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 uh quantably get it out there where you have to find formulas to get it out and they loop it and loop it and um uh you know, reptilians and draconians and I've, I'm Jezebel raw, you know, I'm dealing with all this stuff and the more it, it, robots. And it's just crazy to me that, uh, I, all the time I'm doing and all the stuff we're doing, the, the, the power, the, the level they have where they have it, that we were, we're so intertwined in it that, um, they're doing their work, you know? So we need to do ours. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that came up uh in our work um which becomes kind of like a counterpart term to walk-ins in your case is the word robots mm -hmm. that we were actually dealing at one point with some kind of it seemed like a reptilian robot right they're they're level they because they've got a partial level of an entity mixed with the partial level of a AI, which they've got set up where they, you know, set it up into a interlope with a, um, a formula that only we have to talk to Jesus about breaking. So they got you set up in loops into these computer computer generated things. So it's not just, this is this entity. Let's cast it out. Let's 
you know, and then a lot of the times you have to take the parts that are in agreement with it that are your human parts and get them out of the way, um, get Jesus working on them so they can even just get you, you know, to a level where you're just dealing with the evil itself and not your actual humanity. And that's the frustrating part is because, you know, they hurt us, they traumatize us, they kill, steal, and destroy, and then they get you in agreement with them. So I think that's in my, my like being the one on the side trying to get delivered from it. That's the most frustrating part to me um, is that, you know, they're using yourself against yourself. You know what I mean? Nice. So when, you know, I, I say, I love the Lord. I love Jesus Christ and he's my hero. And, you know, he's the reason why I just continue to fight. But, um, you know, I just wish that every part of me was in agreement with that so that we could, uh, which is coming. It's coming. So, cause it God is, is faithful. Coming. Yeah. Absolutely. He is very, very faithful. <laughs> now, Jessica, I, you, you brought up Jezebel and that was actually a real interesting session that we did. That was actually a really funny session. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it was a very <laughs> session. We, we learned some things. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about that particular session, what you remember, and uh, then I'll, I'll add in. I remember that Jezebel got slapped by the Elijah spirit in the face <laughs> because she's mean and um, that you destroyed her kingdom in me. So, um, but uh, yeah, that um, I don't know why she was there per se. Um, do you remember? Well, uh, she was anchored into me. She was anchored into me. I remember she had a reason. She was anchored, and you had to just get that level of agreement out. Yeah, I we just ran head on into Jezebel, and and she was there, and she was sharing uh, the the same number of rights that everything else in you seemed to share, which included all of the implants and claims on the physical body, as far as like arms and legs and skin organs and so forth. And so her bondage was very intricate in you. But one of the things that was very interesting while we were, were ministering to you and, and folks, I mean, if you had been there, this would have been something that you also found to be extraordinarily funny. Uh, we've had a growing revelation that our human spirits are um, one part of our three-part composite nature. We are created spirit, soul, and body. And so what we've been trading into and learning at Bride Ministries is that, you know, the human spirit has its own mind that is independent of the mind of the soul, which is independent of the mind of the body. It also has it, it, its own form, so to speak. And so uh, I, 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 you can encounter a person's soul in the spirit realm, or you can encounter a person's spirit. And you will see them almost standing next to each other if they are, in fact, next to each other, but they'll be separate. And, you know, there's a soul and then there's a spirit. So my soul may appear to be the size of my body, say, you know, almost six feet tall. Uh, but if you were to see my spirit in the spirit realm, my spirit could look much larger than that, maybe 13, 14 feet or bigger. If he expands himself, he look different than my physical body, but maybe somewhat similar. So th the spirit has its own form. It has its own mind. 
And uh, this actually uh, leads into a whole lot of revelation that, that I can possibly share in this setting. We made a class about it. Anyway, um, what we realize is that when we talk about like spirits of in the Bible, they actually are the spirit that was on assignment with that person in the Bible. So like I'm on earth right now and, you know, I'm Daniel and you talk to my soul. Maybe if you meet me, I'm in my physical body, but I have Daniel's spirit and Daniel's spirit is me, but different and distinct from my soul also with different operational capacities from my soul. Well, the same thing was true of Elijah. He, you had Elijah's soul. Elijah was on earth. He was a man. He had a physical body, but his spirit came from God and his spirit is the spirit of Elijah. And so uh, as we've gotten deeper into this thing, what we've learned how to do is interact with the cloud of witnesses. Because when we go into heaven, because the Bible says in Hebrews that we have come to the heavenly Jerusalem, to Mount Zion, to an innumerable company of angels, to the church of the firstborn, the spirits of just men made perfect. Those just men made perfect. Those who are dead in Christ, their spirits are there in Mount Zion in the heavenly Jerusalem, where we have come right now having access because of the new covenant in Christ Jesus. And we've learned that, you know, this, this living on both sides of the veil includes an engagement with the cloud of witnesses. And what, who do you find in the cloud of witnesses? People like David, King David, you'd find Elijah, you'd find Moses, you'd find Abraham, you'd find Isaac, you'd find like all of these guys, you know, um, even Ruth and Esther and so forth. They're, they're there. They're in the cloud of witnesses. And, and not only that, when we are in the spirit in Christ, we can engage with them. And this is not necromancy. I know some people think, oh, this is really funny. Hey, no, this is kingdom living. And um, so with that foundation, what, what we're in this battle and and what i realize is that the the spirit of jezebel hates the spirit of elijah why because elijah triumphed over her and so the bible actually has a remaining ministry to the spirit of elijah it actually says that before the day of the lord he will send the spirit of Elijah who will unite the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. And so, you know, interesting that I, Elijah's spirit, and some of you say, wow, you're going way too far, Dan Duvall. Well, let me get to the punchline. <laughs> Elijah's spirit has a ministry that transcends Elijah's life. And here we are battling with Jezebel. And I had a revelation. It's like the Holy Spirit said, you know, just invite him in. So I actually asked the spirit of Elijah to come in. And I invited the spirit of Elijah to slap Jezebel, literally. <laughs> <laughs> literally. Spirit of Elijah, slap that Jezebel. And, and, he, and he did. So, so Elijah was actually in my living room. And he slapped Jezebel. And when he did, Jessica's physical head turned to the side. Her physical head just turned and it was like, whap. Whap. And we were just, Christian and I are looking at this like, we just witnessed history. 
spirit of Elijah is still smacking that spirit of Jezebel down in Jesus' name. Come on. So we were like cracking up. It's, it, it's just ridiculous the kind of you can step into when you get outside of the religious box and you, you step into kingdom. <laughs> but that was all because, you know, when, when, during Jessica's session, I mean, we stepped into some pretty fancy stuff. I mean, we, we were very much outside of time and space. And I could explain to you some of the modalities about how we, we step in and out of that as we punish these bad guys. But um, one of the things that we learned to do is that we take uh, the names of God and use them to weaponize different aspects of God's kingdom, um, in, including dogs. Now, many of you know that, that Jezebel, uh, was, her body was devoured by dogs after she had painted her face and then you know, fell out of the window. Dogs ate her. And so, so, so Jezebel and dogs, they don't really get along. Well, I had all these heavenly carnivorous dogs that I pulled up in the spirit realm and I charged them all with the names of God. And by that, I mean Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shama, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sid. I just went through this whole long list of names that I have memorized. And as I was charging the dogs with the names of God, Jessica could hear Jezebel responding to what was happening to the dogs. Jessica, what, what were you hearing Jezebel say charging the dogs? I told her in my head, I spoke back to her and I said, oh, you're in real big trouble. And she goes, yes, I am. I really, really am. <laughs> I really, really am. Just, <laughs> she, was be- she was begging for, <laughs> oh, yes, I really, really am. Tell me to stop. I really, really am in trouble. <laughs> and then you destroyed her kingdom. So, so after that, <laughs> you released the dogs on Jezebel and that was really bad news. As she was getting pummeled in the spirit realm, uh, we took essentially uh, a, a principle in the word of God. Uh, now, now you have to understand, I have a, a very different way of reading the Bible than most Bible teachers. See, I, I look at the Bible as a, as a toolbox and, a, and a, 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 a manual for how to shame the devil. And so one of the things the Bible says is that before the end comes, this gospel must be published um, among all nations. And so I took that publication idea and translated it into the spirit. And, and so as all of this commotion's going on, right, Jezebel's getting shapped, slapped, shamed, and, and devoured, I am having angels photograph the event in the spirit, essentially, put out a publication. And I had the publication distributed around the heavens to all of the different areas where she might, you know, know someone. <laughs> and say, look at what just happened to Jezebel. And uh, when we put out the publication to her shame, uh, Jezebel was shrieking, um, really, really upset. And, and then um, after that, we commenced to destroy her kingdom inside of Jessica. It was a, it was a very, very good day. Yeah, that was a really good day. I actually, uh, the level of torment I was getting from her when that disappeared, I could, it was, it was very much noticeable. She likes to taunt. Mm. She taunts you in, in your mind. She taunts like she likes to uh, harass you and um, 
trick you and deceive you and taunt you and um she's pretty evil <laughs> so when she was gone I, I could definitely notice that she was not with me anymore which was a glorious day <laughs> <laughs> yes because she's still not here so it's glorious <laughs> yes glory to god well Jessica, glory to god <laughs> um you are still on the journey right and right. Uh, I am just so proud of you for coming on the podcast to share with me. And I know that you were under a lot of attack and opposition. You've done a great job. They were trying to give me a heart attack for a second there, but I'm pressing on. (laughs) So pressing on. So you've made it. Uh, We're going to close at this point. And, um, you know, at some point in the future, we'll have you back to continue sharing stories and also updates because we still have a ways to go. But, but before we do that, do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave with people that have heard this component of your story? Well, I want everyone that's listening that maybe God's brought them to this point where they're hearing this for a reason um, to understand that if you are new to this, um, it is weird. Uh, it's very strange, but it is very true. Um, I believe in the, the latter days, he's allowing us to know more about what goes on from the spirit realm to the natural. And I believe that he's doing that because he's empowering us to, to be able to bring his kingdom on earth. And uh, he loves us very much. He's the reason why I'm walking this out. It's not, a, you know, it's not him punishing me. It's him getting me out of this. Um, to my free will, I actually brought a lot of it on. And then, you know, just to keep going at it. The bloodline that came before we came um, to just keep, um, you know, going out, trying to make sure that you're um, dealing with stuff that you need to repent of so that the devil and his forces don't have rights to you. But to know that a lot of people are listening to this to know that um, there is hope. Jesus is the hope. As long as you have to do is just come to him and, um, and that you're not worthless and it's not your fault um, that where you're, you know, you're to the point of no return because I think. If anybody was where when I started this, as bad off as when I started this, um, I felt pretty, pretty gone. So I just want you to know that you're loved and Jesus is the answer for it all. And he will get all of us out of this for his glory. Thanks, Dan. Jessica, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing. And folks, that is all for this week. We'll see you next week. Until then, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at bridemovement.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.